Is this thing on? Hello, my name is Rob. Uh, I'm Rob Johnston. Many of you know me from my first podcast, Meet the Creatives, where I set out to meet all creatives of all kinds. And I interviewed like 180 people before this to get to this place where I discovered my true passion and my love of photography and filmmaking. When I set out on my journey for Meet the Creatives, I really had no idea what I was doing with my life. It was all just kind of a way to get out there and see what the world had to offer in the creative space. And I met incredible people from all different backgrounds and and UX developers and designers and illustrators. And it was really, really cool. But over time, I just, I continued to fall more and more in love with photography. And that's what I wanted to pursue as my passion. And I was really, really afraid to just go all in on that. And now that's what I'm doing here with this podcast. And my mission is to connect the world's best photographers with those um, like myself and probably like you listening to this who wish to be. So I'm really, really excited about this. I'm really nervous about this. I am mentally prepared for like 13 people to listen to it for like a little while, but eventually it will grow. So if you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. Uh, It's going to be great underexposedpodcast.com subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already please for the love of god subscribe i need it my self-esteem depends on it i'm really really excited about this today Uh, i got to interview jeff lipsky and i love this guy he's so cool dude after he left this podcast he went and hung out with jason mraz on some farm in like california somewhere this is the level of cool we're dealing with when it comes to jeff jeff you are the man and i really look up to you thank you so much for for doing this uh, just really, really grateful and happy that you're all here. Let's start the show. Brand new show. Brand new show. Brand new vibes. We out here. Same dumb podcast host. Here we go. Today, I am joined by the one and only Jeff Lipsky. Jeff, thank you so much for being on this very new but exciting podcast for me. I'm, uh, I'm happy to have you here. You're one of my favorite photographers ever. So who better to kick things off uh, than you? So thanks for being here, man. Hey, thank you, man. <laughs> It's nice to be here. <laughs> the internet is wild. One second I'm watching like some YouTube video of you and looking through your portfolio, and the next thing you know, we're uh, we're hanging out. So it's cool, and I appreciate you doing this. So I know it's sort of a, a cliche question, but starting out first camera, uh, how did you get into that? And, and then I swear that the questions That's okay. will become, hey. become more nuanced after that. You know, you know it's important because cameras are a reason why we are photographers in a way. It's that romance with something that's kind of like this tangible mechanical device. Yeah, that's, you know, before there was all these little Game Boys and all those little video games, we cameras, that was, that's kind of what a camera was to me, you know, you can like take a picture of something. Yeah, and uh, get it back. So my first camera, I mean, I've had a camera my whole life, like I could give you pictures when I was like, four, five, six, seven, eight, always had like one of those little cameras with a flash cube on it. And then um, I did get a Nikon when I was 13 for my bar mitzvah, proud to say. And um I became obsessed with Nikon and still to this day, I'm, I'm a Nikon loyal person. So um, really, you know, easy Nikon. Simple. Yeah. yeah. So you got a, so you got a camera for your bar mitzvah mm-hmm. and, and then did you stick with it? Did you lose sight of it? Is there a, I, cause it, Oh, good question. Yeah. I kept it. I shot it a lot. It was one of the, those entry level cameras. It was an EM. And when I was in high school, I got an FM which was a fully manual camera because I took a photo astronomy class. I think it was in uh, 11th grade, might've been 12th grade, but that really changed me like, oh, I could be a photographer. You know, there's something I can do. And I really enjoyed it. So I was shooting manually with an FM. And then um, I, my next camera after that, that I purchased knowing that I was gonna be a photographer was a Hasselblad. 
Wow. Was you, really went, you really uh, went for it. hard there. But that, was a, <laughs> but that was like a um, after college living in Colorado. I was a, you know, quite the time jump before I purchased that camera. Yeah. You know, you mentioned about investing in yourself and, and I wasn't sure where I was going to bring this up in the conversation, but that's been something that I've been kind of dealing with recently. You know, I'm setting out on this journey and I've, I invested in a good camera. And then with COVID, I actually helped my dad. Um, my dad's like a, a minister and, and we got the church, got this really like nice um, camera. Like I convinced them to get like a Canon R6. I was like, we need mirrorless for, we totally <laughs> would have gotten away with like a 70. <laughs> but uh, I got that. And then I've been slowly but surely investing. And um, it's sort of a, a tricky thing for someone who's starting out. Cause it's like, yeah, I'm investing in my future. Yes. But how much of investing is sort of just a roundabout way of like procrastinating on doing, you know, cause I just bought all this stuff and now I have everything I could possibly need to do the shoots. But, um, is it, is it normal to feel weird about that? No, like I feel I like mean, guilt. I feel guilty. Like I feel, like, never yeah. feel guilty. I feel guilty when I buy a new lens or buy a camera. Yeah. I, I'm always wanting a lens or a camera, but you know, I'm the type never of person satisfied. that doesn't, I don't get behind you know, I had this philosophy of it's not the arrow, it's the archer. Ooh. And I really don't like to get stuck behind the type of camera I shoot. Um, you know, it doesn't make you a better photographer. But what it does, what it can do is the type of camera you have, it can sometimes dictate your style. So if I was shooting, um, like when I was a, a film shooter, which I still am, but, you know, when everyone was shooting film, I shot with an RZ. And, you know, that type of 6.7 format lent itself to portraiture and you know the way that you focused the camera you didn't have to dip the camera up you know there wasn't any sensors so wherever you pointed the camera and focused on that spot that's that's what was in focus there was no center focusing or anything like that so it really it dictated your style and um when film went away i felt like i lost it a little bit because then you went to this 35 millimeter format which everyone else was shooting at the time and what differentiated you from the other people. So, you know, it took some time to adjust back to that 35 millimeter format that I started with when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not the arrow, it's the archer. I always love saying that. And it That's rings cool. True. You're going to hear me use that at a, a future day <laughs> in the podcast down the road. And uh, I'll, I'll try and remember to give you credit. I you may forget who was... <laughs> You get stuck behind all the gear. And it's same, my whole philosophy about lighting as well. Everyone's like, on oh, the, like throwing down all these lights and all this crap. But you know, really, it's about taking a beautiful picture. You don't need all that stuff. I mean, you can, but if you get caught up and boggled down with all the techno stuff, you lose the spontaneity. You lose, you know, there's something lost, I feel. Yeah. Personally. And sometimes that simplicity can really be beautiful. I remember when I, I met Art Schreiber, and, and he's one of the guys who sort of made me recognize that I wanted to do this thing, you know, for real. And uh, there's this beautiful uh, shoot of, um, Lady Gaga and I was like that's my favorite one that seems so technical and it was just like a big like one big parabolic umbrella and that's it that was all it was and I was like oh shit you know and that's somebody who has all the resources in the world like yourself too so it's sort of inspiring yeah. to see that so I mean I'm famous for having a I'll have a grip truck you know filled with every light possible all the light stands all the modifiers tons of packs and then I'll just be shooting with a piece of four by two foam vector <laughs> board outside because that's <laughs> the best light that's possible you know yeah. i have the other stuff just in case i can't get that light but you know i like to simplify and sh i like to shape my natural light if i can well that's the goal anyway but yeah I like to keep it simple 
yeah, your assistants are like, dude, we've been up since six o'clock in the morning loading this truck. Like, what? <laughs> so, you know, you mentioned about, um, about being on set and there's a great, uh, interview, uh, forgive me for not knowing the name that I found of you on YouTube and, um, Behind the brand, behind the behind brand, the brand yes. for Ink Magazine. Yeah, that was actually just done not too long ago. Fantastic interview. Uh, lower your expectations. I won't will not be nearly as good at prepared <laughs> as that guy. <laughs> We're doing this on the fly today. Uh, I love, love, love that story of the assistant. You're, you're, you are the assistant, and then you have to drive somebody home two and a half hours. I'll, I'll let you take the lead on it, but a great oh, story. God. I found it so inspiring. I've said the story so many times, but it's it, it's true. It's that, a winner. Um, you know, everyone's like, because it's a your origin story. It's like your big break. How do you get that? Yeah. And, you know, after assisting for a long time and um, understanding how to light sets and doing all these covers, I was working for a uh, photographer named Norman Jean Roy. And I don't even think he knows the story, to tell you the truth. I should tell him. But um, on the way home, after a shoot, he asked me to take a photo editor back to her hotel, which was literally like hours away in the opposite direction of where I live in Los Angeles. And, you know, I blocked because it was my job. And I took this photo editor home. We had we, we figured out we had um, very close mutual friends. And, you know, the saying was, you know, hey, come to my if you're in New York, please show me your work. And as a hungry, starving assistant who wanted to be a photographer, I was like, I'll be there next week. You know, <laughs> as soon as I can afford to buy a ticket with all the nickels I, I have in my and dimes I have in a bag in my my room, I'll put it together and buy a ticket. And so that person, Patty Wilson, um, looked at my work in New York and then gracefully passed me around to her other photo friend, photographer friends, editors from different magazines who then proceeded to um, like my work because it was I was at the right place at the right time with the right type of work. And I got some dream assignments from Esquire and from Premier Magazine and Outside Magazine. Wow. And to this day, I mean, I still shoot for Outside Magazine and uh, Premier is no longer. Esquire, I haven't worked for in a long time, but I, my, I basically, I did a lot of so many Esquire shoots. It sort of like put me on the map as a as a photographer, which That's I was incredible. always grateful for. From just driving someone home back to their hotel, sort of like the butterfly effect thing. It's like, what, <laughs> right. what if you didn't drive? You know, you don't drive home that day. Well, yeah, you know, you, you know. At the same time, though, I had other things going on. You know, it wasn't just that one spark. I was yeah. also working on my first commercial job that I was getting, I was, I was hoping to get and things like that. So it was like a simultaneous thing of many things aligning. So much about this is the sort of interpersonal skills, navigating personalities, meeting people. How do you grow and maintain those relationships? And I know that it's, you know, like they're celebrities, but they're people at the end of the day, mm -hmm. but there's a the level of trust there. Talk to me about like the nuances of that and maybe some of like the... well. I mean, yeah. I'm the I'm a type of photographer. I really dislike using the term celebrity photographer because it denotes somebody that um, you know, it's just taking a picture of somebody just because they're famous, you know, and parlaying that. And I just, you know, listen, I, I live in LA, and fashion doesn't really happen in LA. It's usually New York. And I came up working for photographers that actually shot for Vanity Fair and Rolling Stone and things like that. And you were shooting notable people. So that's kind of like the world that I went into. And it is definitely a navigation of people's personalities and things. I mean, I, I just try to be as personable as possible and open. And, you know, when you meet somebody, 
if I have, I always say, if I have 15 minutes to shoot a personality, I'd much rather spend 10 minutes just hanging out, talking to them and connect, trying to connect or to make some connection instead of like, okay, stand over there. Let me take your picture. Because if they just stand over on the line and take, you get a picture of them real quick, there is no connection. What is the point? Anyone could have taken that photograph. Yeah. It's just like off their face. A, yeah. If you can make a connection with them and you can get something out of them, maybe that's something that they don't want to give you or it's something that you want them you want them to give you and you put them in an environment that you set up and the lighting that you that you purposely manipulated to look a certain way whether it's five minutes or five hours you spend with someone you can make that photograph something special and something that's you know a little bit of who you are as a person as well along also as long, um going along the lines of showing that person for who they really are too and that's the ultimate goal is to take a picture of someone who you know showing their true self if possible yeah. You know, when you're photographing people who you've seen on like, you know, the, the big screen or whatever, the cliche thing you want to say, how often are, are your preconceived notions about them right? Or I would imagine a lot of times they're, they're quite different than you picture them. Are you ever like pleasantly yeah. surprised or it's, it's just, I, I'm, you know, everyone is always nice. Like I'm always, I'm not surprised because I, I have expectations for everyone to actually be nice. Like it's just the way it is what gets in the way is when you're working with these people and they have such busy agendas, you know, they're always like in and they got to fly out. There's things that are, they're doing. They're, they're busy. We're all busy, but they have um, their time is of the essence. And that's something that um, as a photographer, you like, I like to respect everyone's time. Like I, as soon as they get to the set, I'm thanking them for their time. And you better believe when they, they're going to leave my set earlier than anticipated because I want them to go away feeling good. Oh, that wasn't so bad, you know? And, and also to have an enjoyable experience while I'm taking their picture. Like, I don't want it to be a pain in the butt. I want them to have, a, you know, an enjoyable time. Like it shouldn't be hard to take a picture. And so I, I try to make the, I do whatever I can to make the environment um, peaceful and nice. But I mean, a handful of my career of people that I, that totally like, I was like, I really did not like them. <laughs> and usually it's because they're they, they're under pressure. There's other things that are going on in their lives that have nothing to do with my life. Yeah. And they might have something going on. So, um, but really only once or twice I've had someone be, I'm like, God, that's how they are, huh? But you <laughs> Yeah. They I'm not naming they names. <laughs> I'm not naming names. Come on. It's a new show. I need the hits. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, totally. So preparation is the name of the game from what I'm, understanding here oh god yeah what is it like when you when you get there and and you're like how do you figure out what do you have someone to stand in is like it's, how does it work <laughs> oh well, in a quick nutshell yeah. and we're talking if we're talking editorial photography right yes. now because there's many different facts of, of, of photography commercial editorial but if i have an assignment that comes in to shoot a, a personality a t a somebody on a for a cover of a magazine I'll have whoever, it could be months to prepare, it could be five days to prepare. And that being said, depending upon the budgets that that publication has, I'll be able to get different locations or sometimes the subject won't, won't be able to go to, it can only go within a certain radius. Uh, so whether it's a studio or environmental, and those are things you take in consideration, time of day, you know, oh, they want it on a beach. Okay, great. I'm going to shoot at four o'clock on the beach, but we're all going to get there at one o'clock and we are going to, you know, set up everything we need on the beach. 
and have the sun get into the right place or we're going to be in a studio but we want it to be in a room you know we have to build sets and what are those sets going to be and then lighting diagrams i mean so i mean i can spend um days looking for the perfect house location to shoot a subject and basically everything is i'm trying to get everything to go into my favor i'm always trying to steer the ship into my favor so Oh, I can shoot them in the afternoon. That's good. Oh, I can shoot them at the location that I want to shoot them in. My favorite location that I know has great light, has nice textures, like anything I can to put, give me an advantage yeah. to take a great picture, I'm going to do rather than, oh, just show up in their hotel room and take a picture of them sitting on their bed. That would be horrible. But if I have to do that, I'm prepared. Oh, I'll bring different color backdrops that I could put in the hotel room. Oh, what's the, I know the height of the ceiling. I had the diagram of the room. I know where the window is. I know what the exposure is going to be, the light coming through the window. What lights do I bring? What lights will fit? So I'm, you know, you're doing that kind of due diligence, not necessarily looking up the personality that you're shooting, but more or less figuring out the logistics of steering the ship in your favorable direction to take a photograph that you want to take. This is so cool. I'm loving right. this. So it's, like all, it's crazy. It's, you know, once in a while you're like, oh, you know, anyone can take a great picture at any moment. That's not hard to do. It's taking a great picture under certain circumstances that are against you or having be having a consistency of taking the type of picture that you'd like to take over and over and over again. So your body work is cohesive. Yeah. And that's the most important thing is having a body work that's cohesive. About that. Do you ever feel maybe this is just something that happens because I'm just starting out, but do you ever feel like you look at your work and then you want to just like disregard that and start anew or, or how does that like when you're building a cohesive look right you're constantly changing equipment you're constantly changing lighting and stuff like that getting it all to come together is there an art to that i mean it's your personal aesthetic right i mean i'm always drawn towards a, t a certain type of lighting i'm drawn to a certain type of you know i don't like to do things overdone i like things to be sort of organic and unforced but sometimes there's a lot of behind the scenes to, to get that, you know, there's a lot of production involved to make it feel unforced. You know, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of those in-between frames that you're looking for. So, yeah. um, you know, you're, I'm always, you're always, it's your personal, I always say it's your personal vision. It's your taste of the imagery that you want to create. That's who you are, you know, and you should just, unless someone's paying me commercially, I really won't change my my tone of of, of shooting imagery because it's something that I you know I like a certain way of a certain a certain aesthetic and I'm hoping the goal is to have other people hire you because they like your aesthetic. Yes, yeah, so you know you don't want to switch it up too much. You don't want to be so no. vers you don't want to be so like quote unquote versatile that people are like, well, what are we going to get out of right. this guy? You, yeah. can, you can be versatile in the commercial world, sure. You have to be. You have to know how to do everything well and perfectly and without even missing a beat but if you're not if you're not producing work and when you when you stick to your own aesthetic that you love your taste that you love it makes it easy like I, i'm attracted to natural light i'm attracted to these you know more of an outdoor image or if i'm inside i like to make sure it's like a windowy soft light it's just my aesthetic of what i like to see and so and it's easier for me to do it because i i like doing it and the when someone hires me after looking at my work, they know what they're going to get. That's the goal is someone looks at your work and they can look through your portfolio and go, oh, well, we'll like to work with you because we know what we're going to get.
Yeah. No one wants to invest money into a photo shoot and they don't know if they're going to get who, who they, what kind of image they're going to get. Yeah. You know, yeah. So you have to, that's the importance of consistency. I mean, it's important to, to experiment and, you know, change things up, of course. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because even on a very small scale, I've been practicing like with my friends and stuff like that. And, and I, a little bit am of this mindset, I have to be able to do all these different kinds of things because then and only then will I become a professional. And my, my wife um, unintentionally sort of brought something to my attention. She's like, you know, just as a girl, I just want to feel like pretty. I just want the light to be soft and like portray me in a beautiful light. And like, and that's it. I don't really care what it looks like when it's there. I want to see the photograph and just have it, you know, like look, look good. It doesn't need to be that fancy. Cause I think I was trying to, I was showing her all this work with like hot lights and all this different stuff. She's like, most people just want to look, you know, like want to look, you know, presented in a way that's like fashionable, timeless and, and elegant. I think yeah. that you're, okay, I got, I got, I'm getting too lost in like the, you know, the technical stuff. So, I mean, who doesn't want to look, feel sexy or look sexy or be cool, you know, look cool. So, yeah. You know, and, and then light, light should always, to me, I always say that, you know, light, it should be beautiful. You know, I like using, why would I use hard, <laughs> you know, hard side light, uh, you know, that it's not appealing on someone's face. Like, I mean, yeah. there's, there's a reason for it if I'm doing something commercially, but editorial, I want to make, I want to make them feel good and look good. So I, I'm always using to me the nice, the, the most beautiful light sources that I think. Yeah. You know, that I think they're without looking appearing too fake because I hate fake overlit scenarios. I like it to feel, you know, a little bit more real. I find that so encouraging because, because I was always shooting in natural light and now I've gotten into studio and I'm sort of in between the two. And I think that your, your work really strikes a, a balance of, um, of both. And I find that to be um, really kind of inspiring. So that's so yeah. cool. Awesome. I mean, the hard parts, you know, you're, oh, you want this beautiful light, but you're shooting at 12 o'clock in the afternoon on a beach. And <laughs> as you know, the scrims. <laughs> so, yeah, but you know, when you scrim, a lot of times the light direction is still going to be overhead. So you have to learn how to shape light and manipulate light to go into a direction that you want, you know, that's flattering. So, yeah. you know, just the knowledge of, of working with that you know, when no matter what, taking a great picture, even on the worst conditions, you know, that's what you do as a professional photographer. Yeah, for sure. When you're just starting out and you have not worked on a professional like set before, like in today's day and age, you're trying to get out into the editorial yeah. space. Do you like I mean, get the coffee for the, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know what to say. Like, yeah. <laughs> Geographically, it depends where you are. I mean, it used to be a hindrance if you didn't live in New York or LA editorially, but um, now I think it, it doesn't make a difference because um, publications are seeking out photographers living in particular areas to do a story. Like, they might not fly out a team to, you know, to, um, you know, Atlanta from LA when there's, a t when there's already great photographers in Atlanta. And, you know, they don't have to fly everybody out. And obviously, the times of COVID and all that. Yeah. Um, so many ways you can do it is you can, you know, I, I interned at a, at a studio, a local studio in LA. It happened to be like the biggest studio anywhere, but that's where I, um, uh, you know, met other photographers and other assistants. And I would ask the other assistants if they needed any extra help. So that's how I did. I came up through, I didn't go to school for photography. I came up the ranks from assisting. 
Um, I know people that didn't assist, and they, like uh, my friend Victoria Will, um, she came up through photojournalism, and she took a lot of workshops, and now she's extremely successful in what she does. She's a portrait photographer. But I came through. I came up through um, working with badass photographers, carrying their bags, learning how to light for them, um, and learning from mistakes that they made. You know, like how do, you know how did, were things that they did? Like how do they treat their clients? How do they treat the people in the set? Things like that that you can't get anywhere else. You can't get that in a classroom. Yeah. And so I, you know, my assisting days over two years is what I parlayed into, you know, I waited, that's how I became a photographer from learning from assisting. And there's just, there's photographers everywhere that you can reach out to and assist them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely looking to do that. I had a little bit of an unnerving conversation with my mom before, because I'm sort of like switching, uh, switching careers from being a designer. And I think that it's obviously always difficult to explain to people how the workings of these things, especially when you kind of, you know, as you've seen here today, mm -hmm. kind of don't know, but, um, I said that I was thinking about just getting like an intern, like internship for a photographer or just being an assistant and stuff like that. And she's like, well, okay. But like, what's the, <laughs> I'm yeah, like, man. mom, I need to like live yeah. in the shadows of these people before I can become these people. But it, it is a little bit unconventional, right? It doesn't have that it, sort yeah. of like nine to five stability that. Right. There is no stability. And listen, if you want to become a photographer to get rich, you got to think about other jobs because it's, it's, I mean, you can do very well as a photographer, but it's a photography is, is a passion for most people. It's a passion for me. So, yeah. you know, a lot of photography people are photographers, not just not because they want to make money. It's because they love doing their job. Every photographer loves their job, unless you're maybe a DMV photographer. Right. I mean, right. honestly, <laughs> I, I love taking pictures. I love I don't always like my subject matter, but I love the process of taking the image. Yeah. And so that's why there's a whole community of photographers and we can all talk the same language, whether you're a wedding photographer, a bar mitzvah photographer, a commercial photographer, a fashion photographer, there's one commonality. We're all love being behind that camera and creating images. Yeah. And, you know, the, the first thing you have to ask yourself though, is what type of photographer you think you want to be? Like, if you want to be a wedding photographer, that's different from, I want to be a celebrity entertainment fashion uh, editorial photographer. And then that's a different path. Yeah, That's, you approach it differently. You know, fashion photographer. Uh, 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 if you want to be a fashion photographer, it's approached differently than if you want to be a headshot photographer. So you have to figure out what you might want to do and then go in that direction. Yeah, my whole life has sort of just been like so all over the place. To, to now be singularly focused on something that I truly love is really exciting, but it's also oh. really scary at the same time. It's a wonderful thing, though. I mean. With today, everyone's learning. Like I know a lot of photographers that have learned a lot of their skill from YouTubing and stuff. They go. There's a lot of people that that um, put a lot of information out there in in the video form, and you can learn a lot. You can learn f stops and technical stuff and lighting stuff and things like that. But there's something missed in those. I've learned. I've I've figured out from talking to other people that you know you can't you know being on set working with people you know, um, doing business, you can't, it's really hard to learn those things on, on YouTube. Yeah. So there is something missed. That's why I think it's important to um, try to be an intern um, with somebody that you yeah. like. And, um, you know, because you, you just can't get that on, on video. Yeah. Cause, cause right now I feel a little bit, a little bit silly because it, it I feel like I've sort of checked the box in terms of like online, not, not to say that I've learned everything that there is to learn. I'm not by any means saying that, but 
I definitely need to sort of get out of the, my comfort zone and like get that on the ground experience. So it's cool to talk to people like yourself and recognize that um, people are a lot more warm and receptive than I think they would be. But for some reason, it, it seems in my mind, in my convoluted ego, it seems like people are going to be like, who do you think you are? You know, like there's going to be like these, well, know, yeah, you're, fear, you know, you're going to encounter assholes, you know, there's, I mean, they're, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're going to encounter people who aren't nice, yeah. but generally most people are, um, I always, and people are a lot nicer with their cat when their cameras aren't in front of them. I'll tell you that. Cause once you start, I always tell if I'm teaching something or, um, talking to my assistants, you know, there's always that good, that person that's so nice, that photographer who's so sweet and caring and wonderful. And as soon as they get that camera in front of them, <laughs> they start yelling orders and barking and yelling and screaming and being, you know, not being nice. Yeah. Because, you know, you're, you're, you get tunnel vision and you just want to create these images and you don't know how to communicate with this box in front of you. Right. So you have to like, you know, it's a skill that's learned how to communicate while you're taking a picture. Yeah. You know, it's another thing that you really can't learn uh, through them. yeah directing people and like telling them which oh. way to look and stuff and posing them my oh wife my is God. always telling me about how i have to do the i always go go to the left she goes it's the right you have to get this right like right. people are gonna feel uncomfortable they're like i she's like i know you use your hands like, i do my hand i move my hand where they want them to go you know, yeah like, somebody told me you, you sort of like grab their their face in a way like like proverbially like not actually but like right. just like tilt their head like this like, yeah you little, do little gestures you know like or, Pinocchio in a way yeah, or if you're not if you're not a talker, some people don't like to talk that much when they're photographing. They're quiet, and I was I used to be very uh, nonverbal when I first started photographing, and I would say, "Listen, if I'm if I'm not saying anything, that is a good thing. That means we're, <laughs> we're, it's working." And I'll tell you, and I'll give you direction when it's needed, but don't be upset if I'm not verbalizing everything. Yeah, you know, you explain yourself, and people go, "Oh, okay, I understand." So as long as you explain yourself, I've heard like several different versions of this so some people like they tether to a, like a big giant screen and mm -hmm. they show them in real time and then yeah. some people are like i refuse to show my clients their pictures until they're done i obviously understand that in editorial you can't really do that because you're working with all these different people but how, what's your process like on that should you show them like more of this or how does that all work for you uh, um it, you know it it's a that's a really hard question in theory i would love not to be tethered and just shoot to card and not have not have anyone look at the images but myself but in practical terms it, you know when you're working on a big set and there's a lot of money involved and there's an art director and they need to see the images coming up so they can give you direction in cropping and you know in, in the commercial world or the makeup artist wants to see what the lip looks like the hair person wants to see what the what, what the hair is doing so Really, if you, I have found that if you are tethered, um, you can produce better imagery in a way because you have more eyes on the image helping you create. And if you're the type of photographer that it's okay to have other people comment, other people to give you collaboration, then that's a wonderful thing. But if you're a photographer that can't deal with that, which I understand, then, you know, it can be a curse to be tethered and having everyone behind you. I, I, I used to hate it. But I'm so used to it now that I use it um, instead of using it against me. I, I use it for me. But um, you know, I do threaten to unplug every once in a while. I'm like, hey, I'm unplugging. I'm, you know, I'm going. I'm going rogue. You know, <laughs> I'm going rogue. Unplug me from the computer, and that way I can a shoot more frames per second if I need to. I can. I'm not. I don't have a leash. I don't have a ball and chain 
connected to me, especially when you're outside. In a studio is one thing, but when you're on location and you want to move quick and and you do the I call the dash the running gun, it's hard to be tethered. Is it a law of averages? Depends on the client. Depends what you're shooting. I mean, if you can be shooting catalog, you know, and on location, and you got to shoot X amount of shots a day, and you're just like rapid fire, and you have models lined up, and there's lots of clothes that have to be shot. Yeah. And then you know you can be in a studio and you have all day to do two shots. Right. And you can just slow it down, and it's, you're very calculated, and and it, that a good art director will will slow things down and let you. They know that the creative process doesn't come immediately. You have to build up to it. You know, you're not going to get it on the first frame, and you yeah. have to see. And you know, you're you're experimenting, and you're you know you're looking through the viewfinder. You're getting images, and you're not quite there yet. And you you're getting closer. You know, before that, that quote unquote click happens. You know, part of the point. Like be, there's something <laughs> that happens where you're like, oh, we don't have it yet. We don't have it yet. Oh my god, this is it. This is the shot. What we this is why we've been here this whole day. This is the moment. <laughs> And you kind of everyone recognizes it because it's like, ah, there it is. It's an aha moment. Oh, that's and, so cool. And if you have time editorially wise, too, when you're shooting someone that you, you spend all day shooting and you have those aha moments, you know it. You don't have, you don't have to look at the screen. You see it through the viewfinder. That's amazing. That's what it's all about. That's perfect. Yeah, that, that sort of stuff is just like why I love photography. So that's much. why you're like, oh, my God, this is why I love being a photographer. Yeah, that's awesome. Dude, that's perfect. Okay, so that's an amazing place to to end this thing but just in, do you have anything in closing any any advice i appreciate you being really patient with these these questions that's but that's sort of what i want this thing to be me having sort of just setting out having no idea what i'm doing talking okay. to someone like yourself and it's, it's i mean fun. i really think it's important because a lot of people are talking about photography it's just oh you're a photographer but there's you know there's a consumer to consumer photographer there's a commercial photographer there's so many different facets of photography and people start, it's like, you can't compare apples, oranges in some things, you know? And when you're an editorial photographer and I shoot what I, and I explain what I shoot, someone who's shooting um, senior portraits, they might get something out of it, but it's a different world of photography, you know? And I don't, it's almost intimidating. Like I, I don't, you don't always need an assistant and a team of people helping you to take a photograph. In fact, that's what I'm always striving for since my sets are so big and I have so many people, yeah, the bigger the productions, the more people. And really all I'm trying to do right now is simplify everything. And like I use COVID as an excuse so I can just show up to someone's home with just my camera and oh, nobody else. That's so cool. And that to me is incredible. You know, knock, knock. And then, you know, <laughs> Henry Winkler at Henry's house and I get to take his portrait and you don't have anyone helping you. And that to me is like the most beautiful part. Of, that's like the, they're holding their photography holding, is all about simplifying yeah. things, keeping it just just you and a camera, because that's ultimately all you need. And but when you shoot commercially and editorially, sometimes, you know, you look over at a two ton grip truck and you look over and you see 40 people on set and you see all this stuff going on. And sometimes you can take that same picture in your backyard, you know, like <laughs> at the right time of day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With the best hair and makeup in the world, you know, but I, yeah, it's all about keeping things um, simple. If you, if you know, stripping it down. I love in it. With simple form. I feel a, a great sense of relief after talking <laughs> with you because yeah, because so I, be yeah, people shouldn't be intimidated. I am you intimidated. I really am. I've stuff. been very anxious lately about this whole thing because it's just, just like 
there's so much information. I'm like, I don't know. I just want to, you know, I want to be like a real boy sort of thing. And then I talk to people like yourself and he's like, no, it's like capture beautiful images. It's like, oh yeah, like that's, that's what I set out to do in the first place. I, I got to just keep that, yeah. bear that in mind. I, I'm, one of my favorite things is I do a Santa Fe workshop and I show like behind the scenes and show like, okay, so here's a cover I did like of so-and-so. And then I'll say, okay, this is what they're lit with. This is how I did it. And it's just a piece of four by two um, foam board reflector. That's I it. I love it. And that's yeah. they're like, that's it. I'm like, yeah, that's all. That's, that's all. The sun is bouncing off of that and it's pushing into their face in a certain way. And in fact, that's all we're using oh, man. for this cover because that's all we needed. Yeah. You know, or, oh, this person's shot in the doorway because the light going through the doorway was the most beautiful light. That's why that was, that's why that's in that magazine. And there was no lights at all. Yeah. So when you show people, you, you don't need all these bells and whistles. Yes, sometimes you do when, you know, it starts to rain, you know, or, or it depends, depends on the type of photography. If you are a, a studio shooter, yes. But, you know, a lot of these shots are done with one light. That's people don't so realize perfect. It. I love it. Jeff Lepsky, you are as cool as I yeah. thought it would be. We got five minutes here. Where can people find you online? What's the best place to get in touch? Where do oh. people in LA apply for internships? Um, um, I'm, I'm really tough. I'm really bad internship person because I always feel like <laughs> I don't have anything for them to do. And I'm all like, um, <laughs> I am um, basically my a website, Jeff at Jeff Lipsky. What is my website? JeffLipsky.com. Yes. My website is JeffLipsky.com. My Instagram is at Jeff Lipsky. And my Instagram is just to direct people to your website. That's how I feel. Um, you know, I don't think... Insta I, I hate being a slave to Instagram. It's important. It's an important tool, but that's really just to generate views to my website because your your website is where you curate your work for people to hire you. And your website, just for anyone listening that's like seeing this, like promoted on on my Instagram. I too, I'm sort of annoyed by having to always do everything through Instagram. Your website is like way way cooler than your Instagram. No offense to your Instagram. Your Instagram is cool, but I love your your website is amazing, and I love the about section where I can put the different hats oh, yeah. on you. Put a hat on it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, that's curated, fine. it's curated work. You can differentiate the types of work that you do. Instagram, it's all over the place, which yeah. is fine. To me, uh, Instagram is just a menu button on my website. That's how I look at it. I feel like we're far enough down the road now that I could tell you that I, I use the um, Pinterest Chrome extension and I saved every single one of your images to my Pinterest, but it's okay. I think that uh, cool. <laughs> if you if you happen to be on my Pinterest, I just want to let you know that there may be 37 of your portraits on there. Okay. I'm I love trying it. to be like you, man. It's so cool. I love it. Thank you so much. It's been really fun. I'll, uh, I'll stitch this whole thing together. It'll be coming out sometime this week and uh, let's keep in touch. It's a lot of fun. I had a great time. Rob, thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Great. Bye. Thank you.